0: with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's n-o-o-m.com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are
1: sold. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, And anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Hey guys, thanks for joining me here on another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. We have three great guests. And wow, I'm blown away by the, the lineup today of guests because I've been a fan of these guys for decades and decades, uh, since I was oh, a teenager, I'm trying to think. Yeah, since I was a teenager, a, a young teenager at that, Frank Bellow of Anthrax fame is here. And I have quite a history with this guy. I've interviewed him numerous times through the years, and I even jammed with him once. I I, I was on guitar, John Astronomy on guitar, Frank Bellow on bass, uh, Bobby Blitz from Overkill on vocals, and Mike Portnoy on the drums, and we called that band Turtlehead. So I guess Frank and I were in a band together for about three three songs. Actually, it was the same song. We played it three times. It was Overkill by Motorhead, and we shot it for our Talking Metal TV show many years ago, about a decade ago. It is on YouTube. I'll try to put it up in the show notes so you can check it out. Uh, Again, the show notes are found on TalkingRock.net or TalkingMetal.com. Also on this episode, we have Ron Keel. I've I've loved this guy ever since uh, I went and I bought the right right uh, the right to rock record, and then I went back from there and discovered Steeler and. And all the great stuff that he has done since then. Uh, Wow. Uh, You know, Gene Simmons, I guess. uh, I guess it was because Gene Simmons produced The the Right to Rock. I think that's what initially drew me to it. And I think I saw the video, too. Did Friday Night Videos play that? I can't remember. But anyways, um, Ron, I've loved him through the years. And uh, it is it is just always an honor to speak with him. I spoke with him about a year ago. That was in January 2017. No, 2018 at the Kiss Expo in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, yeah, so he was about due. I love to speak with this guy uh, as much as possible. So yeah, let's get him on Talking Metal every year. We need to have Ron Keel on. And he is back to talk about a lot of exciting stuff that he has going on. So stay tuned for that. And Kane Roberts, again, a guy I saw at the Boston Gardens when I was going to college in, in Boston. I saw him play with Alice Cooper. And I tell you, he's got a new record out that's really, really good. I mean, I'm, I'm really impressed by the new record. Uh, great stuff by Kane Roberts. So, wow, three interviews. Let's start with Frank Bellow right now on Talking Metal. Here we go. My interview with Frank Bellow. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and what an honor calling in. We have Frank Bellow. Frank, how are you, man?
2: Mark, how are you, man? I'm good. Freezing my uh, my um, whatever you want to call them off right now in New York City, so there we go.
1: Right on, <laughs> right on, and you know— of course we all know you from Anthrax, but I'm really excited by what's going on with the Altitudes and Attitude album. It's coming out later this week. Get it out. There's some great stuff on this, and I have to admit it's not I wasn't sure what to expect. This is kind of more heavy rock. It's not <laughs> it's not like straight ahead metal or anything like that. This is some great sounding stuff you are working on it with. Well, let's talk about who's who's involved with this project with you.
2: It's just Dave Ellison and I um wrote a bunch of songs together uh jay Rustin produced it jeff Friedel plays drums on it and a bunch of our friends uh played on it for us lead wise uh and it's just this is um it's been four almost a little more than four years coming you know uh it's been a while for us be, be, we've been working thankfully with, with our with our day jobs uh, megadeth and anthrax and this was a, a passion of dave's and i and uh just to get it done and and just put all the time into it and we finally have a window of opportunity to put it out now, and uh, the great thing about this mark is a bunch of people uh, from the last. We put an EP out about four years ago. Right. Uh, it got some really great traction. People really dug the three songs. Thankfully, we're, look, we're very grateful for this because look, at the end of the day, it's not a metal thing. It's total hard rock, and and it never meant to be anything else. It was never meant to be anything else. It was just this is what came out, uh, and we're really we're really stoked about it because people are. Um, People are really getting into it, and it, it, it makes us feel great. We're really stoked.
1: And you're handling, like, most of the lyrics and writing the the actual words for these songs?
2: Yeah, for
1: the most part, yeah. And are you writing, as far as when it comes to the music, are you writing on guitar? Yeah. You,
2: you know, Mark, I,
1: we, we've known each other
2: for a while. So I I play at home. When, I, when I'm when i home, this is what I do. I, I sit in my living room, and I put... The, I put the TV on mute and my wife and kid go to go upstairs to sleep. And I, I, that's my time. You know, that's just me singing and playing the whole right. time. That's what I've done for years. That's how, that's kind of how I write. Um, it's just been that. And then I try, I try out songs and open mics in New York city. I go down to Manhattan and I try out, literally I try out things, just sign up for like a seven o'clock. You sign up for on a Monday night, wow. sign up for open mics and you just try out your songs, whatever it may be. It's just me and acoustic, which I love. And, you know, and, you can play rock songs on acoustic, it's pretty easy. Um and it's just it's I just find it really cathartic and it it's something I've always done.
1: It's awesome. And are there certain clubs you go to? I know like I used to go to Sidewalk Cafe and do the open mic uh, night there. What what clubs do you do I, the open mic night at?
2: It's funny, that's what that's one of them. That's that's one of them. There's a couple of them in, in the village over there that just opened. Like they just started letting um they just started opening uh into open mics and stuff. And look, this is great little pubs. These great little pubs, you just see open mic. Why not just go in there in front of anybody? See, that, for me, that's the ultimate challenge. It's, it's like just you and, a, you and a guitar and just people you don't know. And if it's good, it's good. If it's not, it's not, right? I, I love that challenge.
1: Late and Out Here are two songs that I heard um, that, that are streaming. They sound, again, we're talking heavy rock, hard rock, not, not exactly metal. It, 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 most of the album, this same style as these two songs?
2: I would say, yeah, but, um, it's, it's, it's a hard rock record. Everybody put it this way. Everybody's heard the record. I've, you got some, you know, friends I, I've given to and, and the record company, they are really psyched because it's a hard rock, but it it pays, it pays tribute to what we're about. We're about what we're David. I grew up on hard rock. Let's face it. Late seventies. Um, I mean, Boston, Zeppelin, kiss, cheap trick, stuff like that. Um, and, this is what came out of us. And I'm very proud to say that just because uh, you can't forget where you came from. I I pay tribute to because I I love those bands that were there for me when I was going through hard times growing up and with my dad leaving and all that stuff. And music was everything for me. And it still is to this day. I have to say that, Mark. It still is.
1: You
2: know, it's just, you know, it's another tool in life. And it was very big for me to get out of my bad way and get me looking in, a, in more of a positive light. Music was always there for me. So writing songs like this, it means a lot to me. And uh, that's why I live these songs. And, and I'm just gonna be honest, um, it's, it's straight from the heart. But in, and you, I can't write about something I don't know, you know, because I'm not that kind of guy, I'm a straight ahead kind of guy. And um, this is straight from inside. You'll, you'll, you'll see with some of the lyrics you'll see in the, so- the songs, that's what I've been hearing. And they say it's very personal and it is. To be you.
1: honest, cool. And there's some really amazing special guests on the record. Uh, let's start yeah. with with the one I was most excited about. Ace, how did Ace fairly get involved with this?
2: Ace is a friend, and uh, look, he, he, and Mark, you know this. Dave and I are diehard from way back, diehard Kiss fans. Um, and just asking Ace, I remember Dave um, was at one of these um, charity events with with Ace. And straight out just asked him, you know, Frank and I are doing this thing. Would you, would you be uh, into uh, playing a lead? And because Ace rules, of course he does. And he said, sure, I'd love to. So we got him and we and got together with his manager. and We all made it happen. It was, and I love it, dude. You think about it as if you told the 15-year-old Frank Fellow, was waiting in front of Madison Square Garden, in front of the kid's right. Ace poster, that Ace Fraley was going to be playing lead guitar on one of the songs that I've written. In my life, I would have never believed you, and for me, it's just like that I still get that feeling of how important that band was, and specifically ace um, in my life and uh again it 's one of those things where it 's a feather in the cap and Briggs, and he plays great man he 's a great player it's ace for God's sake, I love it
0: <laughs> right
1: on you know? right. absolutely and there's some other pretty big heavy hitters on the record with you. Can you tell us who else joins you on this record?
2: yeah Nita Strauss um Everybody everybody probably knows about Nita Strauss now. But if you don't know her playing, check out her playing. She plays with Alice Cooper. She's incredible. Uh, we got Absolutely. Russ from Steel Panther. Yeah, Russ from Steel Panther. Uh, there's so many. There's um, Nikki Black who plays on it. She's awesome, too. Another great player in L.A. Um, God, there's so many. um, Tuch, um Kristen Martucci from Stone Tower. Just a lot of great. I'm probably forgetting cool. a couple because we've had – you know, Do you say Gus G? Gus with, G, right? And Gus G, Gus G, I forgot. Yeah, see, there's a lot of, a lot of great. Uh, John Donay, from uh, who plays with Anthrax, uh, awesome. Just, it's just a, a great thing that Jay uh, Jay Rustin, our producer, has a great rolodex, and he says, "Why don't we just call this?" And he just he just calls people in, and obviously we're friends with them, so it all works really nicely.
1: Right on. And this started as an EP a number of years ago, like you mentioned. But at what point did you? decide hey we need to do a full length with this.
2: Well, you know from from the vibe we got from the EP, so many people came back and say how much they liked it. And look, dude, nobody expected that and that's we're very grateful for that and and you we have these songs, you know, Dave and I we have these songs. It it's why not? And we we started doing demos and then we gave it to Megaphone, they really liked it and it, it all just like a like a snowball effect and it really uh, it really came out and I have to tell you, Mark. As I'm speaking right now, some of the reviews. People are sending me reviews that people who have have the record um, in advance. It's I'm, I'm overwhelmed by like the way people are getting into it, and really, it really is um, satisfying, and, and it's it just feels really good.
1: Cool. Again, we are talking with Frank Bello. The album is called "Get It Out." by Altitudes and Attitude, and you guys have a handful of shows, right? There's some New York shows, I think, later this week, and then some in L.A. Yeah. Um, any plans for, like, an actual tour for this, or or no?
2: It's funny. We do these shows this week. We're playing St. Vitus. Uh, I don't know when this comes out. This this Saturday, uh, the 19th, the day after the record comes out on the 18th, which I'm excited, uh, excited about Friday, uh, January 18th. Uh, we're playing St. Vitus. Um, on Saturday, uh, we go um, next week. We're playing a Musicians Institute in LA. It's just like a little, uh, it's a little get together, and there'll be some songs to be played there. Then we go to you know what Ship Rock is.
1: Uh, I've heard of uh, it. Yeah, it's like yeah, is that a a, a cruise right?
2: It's a, yeah, it's a rock cruise. We're playing that, in, uh, we call it A and A for short. A and A is playing that, and then we go on tour, which is wonderful. Slash invited us on the tour on a oh, tour over wow. Europe which wow. is awesome. Okay. So I don't know if we're doing six or 10, we're doing like a bunch of shows out there with flash. So we're really excited about that. And Slash is the best, He's the friend and, and um, he, he heard some songs and then he asked for more songs, which was great. His management asked for more songs and they heard it. And then he invited us out there. I mean, that's, that's, what's really cool, man. Uh, that's, that's how great of a person I want people to know how great of a person flash really is. Wow. He doesn't have to bring a and a out, because I mean, those, his shows were sold out anyway. But because he's so into music, and uh, and thankfully he likes what A and A is doing, uh, he he invited us out. And I just I just wanted people to know how great that dude is. He's a, he's a great person.
1: Very very cool. And Anthrax, let's see, you guys are doing some dates in Australia, and New Zealand, I think in March, and then is the yeah. the rest of the year kind of going to focus on just getting the new record together?
2: Yeah, Anthrax is um in quiet time right now we're gonna write we're gonna write and um, we're gonna put that aside for now uh, and just write songs that's that's what it's about so we'll do some tour a little bit touring with uh, in Australia Japan and done but so right now I'm gonna be focusing on the altitudes and attitude uh, and uh, and hopefully uh, people will dig it
1: is it a totally different I mean I'm assuming the answer to this is yes but it's got to be a totally different songwriting process when it comes to doing stuff for altitudes and attitude than it would with anthrax
2: uh, it is because uh, with anthrax you have um charlie scott and myself going out uh doing that and with altitudes and attitudes literally dave and i and, and to be honest just in our homes and then we come together later on because I, I write a lot of the songs right in the room i'm sitting standing in right now is my living room tv on mute with my little lamp <laughs> and this is it and that's and i put the recorder on and it just it just flows like that thankfully but uh, uh it's just, it's very freeing. It's very, you know, just, we, we try anything with A&A. Uh, we'll try anything that, you know, if it sticks, it sticks, really.
1: Right on. And when you write with Anthrax, do you write on guitar or do you do that on yeah. bass? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Always. I mean, if I have a bass lick that I want to, like, to start a song or something, I'll, I'll, I'll record that also. I'll start. But I usually, I, I play a lot of guitar, just rhythm guitar, but right. I'm mainly most of my ideas are on guitar.
1: Cool, and I know you've dabbled in acting. Actually, more than dabbled, you've done some major TV shows and, and movies. Yeah. Are you doing anything with with the the acting right now?
2: Right now, it's about altitude and attitude. But um, right. I told my agent I'll be having some because I haven't had any time at all. I mean, I mean, we've been out forever yeah. with, with the anthrax thing. So yeah. uh, this is the first time this year I'll have some months off. And you need that time just to go and meet people and and read for things. But if there, if it's available, but right now it's it's definitely about the uh, altitudes and States.
1: Very cool. Well, I'm excited to hear you're going to be going out with Slash. There's going to be some New York shows, some LA shows, and uh, sure. The album again, the two songs I heard, they just sound fantastic. We cannot wait to you, uh, get our hands on the the full album. Again, we're talking with Frank Bello of Altitudes and attitude and the album is get it out so definitely pick it up and frank it's always a pleasure talking with you
2: thanks man but mark thanks for the time and uh, thanks for
0: giving this a chance i really appreciate it bro
1: yeah you bet Check it out, guys. It's great stuff. I mean, listen to that song. Fantastic. Good job, Frank. And we look forward to new music from Anthrax, I hope, coming soon. In the meantime, we got that one. That's a great, great uh, little thing that Frank is doing there. Not little. Massive sounding thing, right? Altitudes and attitude. Dave Ellefson, Frank bello great stuff. So without further ado i guess i'm try- i don't know if we should do ron keel first or, or kane roberts first or second i should say because we already did frank bello let's do let's do this let's do uh, let's do ron keel and you guys got to promise me you're going to stay tuned for the kane roberts interview which will close out today's episode and uh, yeah before we get into ron keel i do want to say this is one of three podcasts. Talking Metal is one of Mark Striegel's—that's me. Three podcasts. We have the Talking Rock podcast, which is now back with its like third RSS feed. It's free. If you—if oh, freaking dog is barking, it's like I can't get a freaking fifteen minutes of silence in this house. It drives me crazy. Anyways, um, yeah. So any. Now I lost my train of thought. I'm totally flustered. Uh, yeah. Oh, I do three podcasts. I do Talking Metal. I do Talking Rock, which I do with Joey Haney. You got to resubscribe to it if you're like, oh, I used to subscribe to that last year. No, that RSS feed is dead. It's a We're actually on like our third or fourth RSS feed for that. Uh, the Talking Metal RSS feed is the same feed we started in 2000. 2000- 5 I've had it uh, taken over by a company that now distributes it for me, but it's essentially the same. So you could have been subscribed to Talking Metal since 2005 and still be getting it downloaded to your iPhone. However, with Talking Rock, uh, it's gone through some changes. Uh, Joey Haney and, and Chris... From CNJ Radio have now taken over the RSS feed Not taking it over, giving it new life with a new RSS feed So subscribe to that If you dig it, please leave a 5-star review on iTunes For my Talking Rock podcast Support me on Patreon Ron Keel and I are going to talk a little bit about Patreon As well as his time in Black Sabbath Yes, Ron Keel was in Black Sabbath We're going to find out exactly how long he was in the band What the deal was It's a very, very cool and I can only imagine, as can Ron and as can everyone else, what Sabbath would have been like with Ron Keel. Because let's face it, after the Born Again record with Gillen, which is an album I love, one of my favorite Sabbath records, quite frankly, uh, they really kind of took a big fall and released some albums that really weren't weren't that good after that. And I can't help but think, Ron Keel uh, with him in the band, it would have been a different story. But who knows? Who knows? But we're going to talk to Ron Keel about his time in Sabbath, which was extremely brief, but he was in Sabbath. So stay tuned for that conversation, as well as everything else that Ron has going on, like Keel Fest and his Patreon page. So here we go. This is Cold Day in Hell. That's Ingve Malmsteen on the guitar, Ron Keel on the vocals. You got Rick Fox on bass, Mark Edwards on guitar. I think I think Ron played some some guitar on this record too. But everyone of course always remembers Ingve going way back to 1983. Ron Keel really one of the guys who discovered Ingve. He told me the story of him and Mike Varney, you know, listening to tapes and and and, you know, he really wanted Yngwie for Steeler, and, and he, he and Mike Varney made that happen. We don't talk about Yngwie in this interview, but, uh, yeah, definitely. It's a, great, it's a great listen and great conversation, as always, with Ron Kiel. Here we go. This is Cold Day in Hell by Steeler, followed by my interview with Ron Kiel. Striegel of the Talking Metal podcast, and what an honor to have back on the show once again, the great Ron Keel. Ron, how are you, man?
3: I am doing fantastic. Been a great week, man. With the Keel Fest announcement, the new lyric video for Road Ready, all so much is happening, and now I'm on Talking Metal with Mark Striegel.
1: How cool is this? <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, and let's yeah, let's start with Keel Fest, man, because this sounds just great for any hardcore fan of your career, and it's literally your career. I mean, the stuff we're going to hear at Kiel Fest from you just spans all the way back to Steeler, to Kiel, to the Ron, to, you know, Ron Kiel Band, new stuff. So let's talk about how this festival came about, and if you could fill us in on uh, any information you have on the festival.
3: Man, I don't really remember where the embryo kind of took, got fertilized, but... I remember one day or one night, it was kind of a joke. Hey, I'll go up my own festival, like Ozzy, of course, OzFest. I'll just call it KeelFest. So being the domain whore that I am, I went on to my domain server and I registered the domain, KeelFest.com. It's been sitting there for a couple of years, and it's kind of a way to – I think it's a great way to to serve both my needs while giving the fans what they want because – my priority is the Ron Keel Band. That's my new album. Those guys have been with me now for four, almost five years, busting their asses, making great music, doing great shows. And we really are a very tight, close-knit family. Me and uh, Dave Cawther and Gino Arcee, who's been with me for 20 years, Jeff Kohler, The Rev on drums, and Dakota Scott on keys. I mean, these guys have been through hell and back with me, through ups and downs, through my wife's battle with cancer. right. These guys stood by me and they could have gone anywhere. They could have gotten other gigs. They could have joined another band because I said, man, I don't even know if I can tour anymore. I'm going to have to be here with Renee while she goes through this. And we did take a lot of time off in uh, 2017 because of that, but they were right there with me. They were my support group, my best friends, killer band. And uh, so that's my number one priority. However, there's still activity in the Kiel camp as well. You know, we do some of these. Big festival events like the Monsters of Rock cruise. Yeah, we did that last year, and I love those guys. That's a brotherhood and a family that's been alive now for thirty plus years. This is our thirty-fifth anniversary of Kiel. I can't believe that, but and those guys are, are very special to me as well. And they want to play, and they keep bugging me all the time. Ron, let's do some more Kiel gigs, and I just can't because my priority is is Ron Kiel band, and then of course my friendship with Rick Fox and the Steeler fans. And, And all that goes way deep. And this is a way for me to get the Ron Keel band out there in a big festival-type setting with Keel and Steeler doing a lot of the heavy lifting, but also a way to showcase the the band and our new music and giving the fans those Keel classics and Steeler. For the first time in 35 years, I'm going to belt out those Steeler songs with Rick Fox, who played on the Steeler album, and Mitch Perry. Wow. Uh, very renowned guitar player who's played with everybody. And Mitch actually took Ingbe Momstein's place in Steeler in nineteen eighty three, played on the Final Frontier album, been a longtime friend and part of the Kiel Steeler family. So he's the logical choice to fill the guitar position. Dwayne Miller from Kiel is going to do the drums during the Steeler segment of Kiel Fest. So it's really exciting to to have the first real Steeler show do those songs for the first time since then and uh, put it all together into one three-hour marathon. Uh, It is going to be extremely taxing vocally for me. Uh, Obviously, it's a three-hour show, and it's not band, break, band, break, band. It is one solid three-hour show where I'm pretty much up there the whole time belting it out. There'll be some transitions and some some, uh, kind of weaving the story around the music And the show. But it is a three hour marathon. And I can guarantee you uh, at 1230 a.m. on May 10th after that show is over, there's going to be one hell of a party.
1: Wow. That sounds just insane. And the the I guess the question is, it's just it's just you doing this three hour set. There aren't going to be other bands involved in the festival or there will be some some openers or something.
3: I'm pretty sure there's going to be one opening app. We don't know who that is yet. Okay. But our show is 9.30 to 12.30. That's the Columbus gig. Uh, May 10th at the Al Rosa in Columbus, a famous venue. We've got a lot of deep roots in Columbus. I lived there for a couple of years, and the promoter, Tong Productions, old friends of mine who really believed in this concept and this idea, and they wanted to, to have the first Keel Fest in Columbus. Now, that's not to say... We shouldn't take this thing wherever, uh, the wherever it makes sense. I'd love to do a Southern California date to bring Kiel Fest to Hollywood or New York, Australia. I'm ready to do you know six to ten of these this year if um, if we can get the money up. I mean, literally, right. it is an expensive operation. You got ten guys, four guitar players, and those guys are really expensive. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. it, <laughs> it, it, it's a big operation. You got ten musicians, a crew, you know, a, a big production so it's it's expensive. It's not like this, the Ron keel band or or, or keel. it's it's a it's ten men, and they all have to be paid and hotels and airfare and and all that. so it's there's there's a lot of money at stake. but if but I think it's gonna make sense. I think it's gonna be worth it. I think the gig in Columbus is going to be sold out before we ever hit the ground. And I'd love to do more of them.
1: Yeah, I hope you can. I'd love to see up in the the Northeast, you know, New York, New Jersey, Long Island. That would be great. There's a lot of Keel fans up here that would love that.
3: Well, I'm sure now that I'm on Talking Metal, we'll get everybody's attention, <laughs> and the phone's going to ring off the hook, the email's going to explode, and we'll get some more gigs.
1: Right. Well, I tell you, I hope so. And there is always... New stuff coming from you. I am really digging this this new lyric video that you put up, Road Ready. Let's talk about that. It's such a cool rocking song. I love how you throw out titles and and little hints of your past in the lyrics. Uh, fun, fun song. And this is coming off a new record, right?
3: The Fight Like a Band album releasing March 1st on David Ellison's EMP label group. Oh, cool. We signed cool. with David a little over a year ago. And he uh, has been so supportive of who I am now and what I'm doing now. Uh, When we signed the deal, and David and I have been friends for a while. And when it came time to make a new album, I went to him first uh, because I just really admire his business sense, his passion for music, how he runs his business and his church success with the EMP the last year speaks for itself. So I went to David with the record and he embraced what I'm all about, which is really the metal cowboy. And there's metal, And there's Cowboy, and I'm a little bit of both. And David just looked across the table from me when we signed the deal, and he said, Ron, just be you. I want you to sing your life. And that's what we did. Wrote the best songs we could. Road Ready is a great way to introduce the fans to the new album. It's not, uh, it it is one of the heavier songs on the records, and I want to make sure my fans that, that have been with me through the twists and turns of my career, I want them to know that I embrace my past. I treasure right. those memories. I love that hard-hitting, screaming, thunderous metal and the fast, up-tempo songs like, like Road Ready. And when I sat down to write the lyrics to this piece, I used a couple of key lyrics as placeholders. Just until, okay, here's the melody, and a couple of syllables, here that fit. And I thought, well, why don't I just keep that going? And I ended up using 20 phrases, titles, lyrical innuendo, so to speak, from throughout my career with Keel, uh, Iron Horse, The Rattlers, and uh, Steeler. There's, there's references to lyrics from all of those songs. Luckily, after 35 years of making records, I could find a number of, of really good rhymes. Right. Because, uh, it's a jungle out there, the devil may care. I mean, there's a lot of good rhymes in there. And, uh, I think the fans have really, really um, identified with that I think it got the message across. First of all, we're uh, we're fired up and ready to go. It's a great opening song for the show, and a great way to, to showcase some new music while paying tribute to my history.
1: Right on. And again, that is the song Road Ready by the Ron Keel Band, and the new album you said is called Fight Like a Band, and it's out when? March, you said? March? March 1st. March 1st. March 1st.
3: We're having our big album release party at the Grand Falls Casino in Larchwood, Iowa, which is... Literally uh, just over the border from my adopted hometown of Sioux Falls. That is February 23rd. So we'll do the big album release party where we're going to perform the entire album, top to bottom, and the keel hits as well, and all that. And then uh, the record comes out the following week worldwide on EMP.
1: Awesome. Well, congratulations on that. I can't wait to hear the rest of the record. Again, I am loving the song Road Ready. I heard it for the first time on your Patreon uh, page, your Patreon community there, which is really, you're doing a great job with this. And I know it's a rather new thing for you. And uh, let's talk about all the cool stuff that people can get when they support you on Patreon. Cause there's different tiers and you get different access to different, different stuff. Um, what, I guess let's start with what drew you to Patreon.
3: Well, Thanks, Mark, for uh, allowing me to talk about that. It's something I'm really excited about, very passionate about. And it grew out of a desire to, well, we're all online these days. And there's a couple of subscription services. Being a a fan of radio and podcasts like yours, uh, there's, uh, and I don't want to plug somebody else's gig, but Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie, who is, and I really, really enjoy that show. And I've been a, for, for many years, I've been a, a coast to coast insider where you pay a monthly fee and you get to, you get all the extra cool stuff. And I thought that would be really cool if if I could do something like that. And the issue with Renee's bout with cancer a couple of years ago, really brought it into focus because I was suddenly faced with the fact that I may not be able to tour anymore. I might have to stay here with her. And if that's what it took, I would have done that. Uh, she is, you know, she means the world to me. And she went through seven surgeries,
1: Wow. radiation,
3: chemo, the whole deal you and I have talked about this yes, before. Yes, we have. And there was it was a very scary time and I didn't know and I told the guys in the band, you know, I don't know if I can tour, if I can leave I can't leave home. If she has surgery, I can't what am I going to do? I I can't just say bye honey, I'm going to go on the road. I got to stay here and yeah. I'm trying to find a way where I could, quote, work from home. Don't we all just want to work from home <laughs> anyway? I mean, that's, a, that's a dream gig. Yeah. And I was having a couple of web designers put together a, quote, subscription site when I found the Patreon platform, and it was tailor-made for guys like you and me. And So what it is, it's a subscription platform. You pay six ninety nine dollars a month, and you get all the cool stuff. And uh, video, audio, experiences, and we are just scratching the surface. With what we're offering at patreon.com slash Ron Keel. Mark, I consider it to be like, it's like my living room online, all right? Yeah. Uh, I've got a fire in the fireplace. So I've got some cool <laughs> stuff on Kiel TV. i got the yeah. music up on. Once you come on over, and we'll enjoy this together in my house online. Now, if you were coming to my house, you'd probably take a shower. You'd probably put some gas in the car. You might even stop on the way and buy a six pack. You know, for the cost of that, Right. You can subscribe online and join me in my Patreon page, and I'm putting uh, a lot of the old Keel concerts from uh, the, the actual debut of Keel, the first show we ever did. Some of the big shows like Rocklahoma, M3, and these are things that are they're not real. You're not going to manufacture a DVD. They're not pro shot, broadcast quality, one camera from the sound booth usually. But you get to experience that moment in time, uh, unreleased audio. In fact. I am going to be uploading, for the first time that nobody's ever heard this, my Black Sabbath demo. It is going up on Patreon oh very soon. In honor of the Emerald Sabbath project, which is coming out February 15th.
1: Yeah, which we're going to talk about if for I've sure. got
3: something, If I've got something cool in my archives, in my vault, uh, whether it's audio, video, fan experiences, here in a couple of weeks I'm going to be doing my first concert broadcast from the fan cave, which is basically my basement uh, where I've got my little stage set up in my basement. I'm going to play some acoustic songs. I'll be online with you. I can take requests. We can communicate and interact during the show. And it'll be Ron Keel live from the fan cave. This is what I built when I didn't know, if, didn't know what the future held for me. I knew I had to keep entertaining people. I had to keep doing what I do. But I wanted to try to find a way to do it from home and patreon.com slash ron has provided me with that platform so i hope everybody will check it out at least look at it check it out and see if it's something that you're interested in and i tell you mark i haven't had one subscriber who has not renewed and you can cancel at any time it's 6.99 a month for the the all, all access you can go hardcore and if you're hardcore that's 25 bucks a month but i i load you up with all the cool swag and free stuff in the mail every month and all that but We haven't had anybody who subscribed that has not re upped the following month because everybody's digging it.
1: Wow. And it is very cool. I am a a Patreon, a subscriber for your page, and I am loving it. I cannot wait to hear the Black Sabbath demo. I want to talk about Sabbath. And I also just, before we go there, I wanted to say that, you know, I I signed up for Patreon probably a year ago or so, and I really didn't do anything with it. I kind of, I told my listeners, oh, you can give me money on Patreon, but I didn't do anything. I wasn't giving them rewards. I I sent them all a t-shirt that was about it. And you've inspired me, to step up my Patreon page and really turn it into something that's more exciting for the the Talking Metal listeners. So I just want to thank you for giving me the inspiration, because you are working it so hard and doing such a great job on your page that it's inspired me to kind of kick into uh, a higher gear with my Patreon page. So thanks.
3: Oh, you're welcome. And thank you as well. I am a paid follower of yours on Patreon as well, and I enjoy your interaction, your messages, and what you do with both your podcast, your Patreon, all that stuff, I'm a fan. thats you know, It's worth that extra couple of bucks a month to get that first-hand
1: interaction with guys like you. Well, I appreciate it, Ron. And, you know, we are going to right now talk about something I don't think, you know, you've been on the show a number of times. I don't think we've ever gotten into your history with Black Sabbath because, There is this cool tribute record coming out called Emerald Sabbath, and you're on it. And I remember, I think it was picking up Circus Magazine or Krang Magazine, one of those magazines, and reading that Ron Keel was the new singer of Black Sabbath. So this was obviously a short-lived little part of Sabbath history, of your history, but it's very very interesting history. So let's let's go back right now to your history with Sabbath, and also mention that you're doing the song Trashed right on on Emerald Sabbath. Let's start there. Actually, the song Trashed. Who's who's joining you on this song?
3: I actually have three three tracks on oh, wow. the Emerald okay. Sabbath's Ninth Star album. And the cool thing is, Trashed, the Ian Gillen song off Born Again. Uh, I got the I think it was Bobby Rondinelli on drums and. Um, I'm not sure who else played on that track. The entire list of the track listing and who played on what.
1: Is it Vinny? And, is Vinny Apathy on that?
3: Vinny did the other two with me. Okay. Um, I've got "Die Young, the Dio classic from oh, Heaven wow. and Hell. And I got to sing that with Vinny Apicey on drums, Rudy Sarzo on bass, and oh Mike guitarist from the Ron Keel band, Dave Cawthorn on lead guitar. So what a thrill to be able to, and also did an Aussie song, Hole in the Sky
0: which oh, is God. the opening
3: track on the record. So I, I covered all three bases. got to finally make my dream come true of kind of recording with Sabbath and sing three of those iconic songs from each of their iconic vocalists for this project. So certainly a dream come true for me. And It's just to be a small thread, a very, very small thread in the tapestry of that legendary band. I'm honored. Right. It was a great time for a few days back in 1984 when... I was, uh, I was doing the original Keel demos at Pasha Studios in Hollywood, where Spencer Proffer had just produced and released Quiet Riot's Metal Health album, which, you know, sold 10 million copies yep. and really broke the floodgates wide open for all of us. So I was in there recording the Keel demos. Spencer heard my voice, and he was signed on to produce the new Sabbath album, the follow-up to Born Again at the time. Ian Gillen had just left the band we're looking for a singer and Spencer basically got me the gig based on the strength of those demos. So I had to go in and, uh, Spencer was, he was trying to push outside songs on Sabbath. He was trying to make them into a commercial eighties hair band and Tony and geezer just weren't having any of it. That's why the whole situation imploded. Uh, but Dana Strum produced my, my Sabbath demo. And, uh, you know, I never did get to uh, to record with them or tour with them. So this Emerald Sabbath release is kind of a a dream come true for me because I got to sing some great stuff, and I'm really proud of the results. I didn't just get to sing it, man, you know, and I'm not tooting my horn or and I, I crushed it, and I'm really, really proud of those vocals. And, and Ronnie Dio was a, a friend of mine. He was uh, a huge help in my career. He took us on tour with Dio and the entire Sacred Heart Tour throughout Europe, 14 countries in 1986, because Ronnie believed in us, and I would be proud to play this for him. I'm sure he's up there listening in uh, oh, yeah. heavy metal heaven, and I think he would approve. So that that's really, uh, to me, that that's all the justification I need. I can hear it, I listen to it, and I'm really proud of it, and I think Ronnie would dig it as well.
1: Yeah, and there are some real heavy hitters on the Emerald Sabbath record, which I believe comes out next month. Uh, you got... From Ozzy Osbourne's current band, a good friend of mine, actually, Adam Wakeman, is doing some songs on there. You got former Sabbath uh, vocalist Tony Martin, again, Vinny Appice, Dave Walker, who was briefly in Sabbath um, back in the 70s when Ozzy left, before Ozzy came back to do Never Say Die. Right. Yeah. So there's some really cool stuff in here and and all these players or at least most of the players on the record have a direct connection with 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 Sabbath including you so to just circle back around so it's post born again and you are in the studio. They they actually, the, the thing that makes it a little curious to me is they actually announced that you are going to be the new singer, but you're telling us here that it was really only, what, was it a week? Was it, how like, how long were you officially yeah, was, thinking that you were the singer of Sabbath? And why did they jump, it was three, go? It was, it was three solid
3: days, I can tell you three. that. Three, okay. But um, the thing was, they had uh, actually... We'd said we'd had several meetings. I had gone to Don Arden's office and uh, Don Arden Sharon Osborne's father was yes. the manager at the time. Yep. He sat me down. He he laid down the law, told me the rules, told me what my pay was. I'm gonna sign contract, all that stuff. And he said, You do not say a word about this. If word gets out, you know, they're, they're, you know, really I was under a gag order. I okay. could not talk about it, could not say anything. And of course, I'm doing whatever the hell they want me to do. It's, it's black Sabbath, man. I'm telling the lie. And I went in to tell my guys in Keel. My band had only been together at that point, gosh, maybe a month. I had just put Keel together. It was my chance to to, to go out on my own and do my own band with my own songs. And we were headlining a big venue in Pasadena, Perkins Palace, uh, 1,700 seat theater there. And, and I had to go into my band. And I set them down I said, guys, man, I really appreciate you guys, you know, all, you, all the work you've done and all the preparation and getting ready for this this keel show. But that first keel show was going to be our first and lap. That was right. it. And I set my guys down and told them that I am joining Sabbath. The contract is done. I've, we've come to terms. And I am the new lead singer in Black Sabbath. But you can't tell anybody. Shh, don't tell anybody. This cannot get And the guys are Mark Ferrari, Brian J. They were my buddies. You know, they're yeah. cool. And, and so I said, don't tell anybody, all right? Absolute hush-hush. I leave the band meeting, go out in my car, start up my engine, and pff, on the radio, KLOS Radio, Los Angeles, it's just been announced that Ron Keel is the lead singer at Black Sabbath. I go, no, was are talking about it on the radio. Wow. And I go home. I go home, click on MTV. And there it is on MTV Big News. Ron Keel, the new lead singer in Black Sabbath. And then, of course, the Kerrang! feature. I think you mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Full-page announcement that Ron Keel was the new lead singer in Sabbath. So it's it's very well documented. I think, I mean, I don't know who leaked the information. It wasn't me. But uh, the documentation was there at the time. And, you know, to be honest, there were, and if you've read Lita Ford's book, you know, and I don't want to. I don't want to say anything negative about anyone, especially Tony Iommi, one of the greatest rock gods of all time, but Tony was going through some, some stuff right. at the time. And there was, um, what Tony says in his book, though, by the way, his book is wrong. I'll call him out on that right now. He said, well, Ron gave us a demo tape and there were two singers on it. And one was on site A and one was on site B. And they wanted the guy on site B with the other guy. They didn't want me. That's bullshit. Right. Uh, I got a signed contract and an announcement on MTV, and it was a done deal. Uh, that's whatever Tony said in his book. Uh, that's not true. And the fact is, Mark, what they wanted at the time, they desperately just wanted Ozzy back. Yeah. Um, Ian Gillard had just left. They they really just wanted Ozzy back. Uh, I could have nailed the gig. I feel very confident that. Had I had the opportunity, I would have gone on stage and in the studio and uh, really been at home in that band. And I think, you know, who knows what, what might have happened. Yeah. But once again, I get to relive that dream with this Emerald Sabbath project.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to hear the Emerald Sabbath album. It just has a really cool collection of people on it. It's uh, it's definitely something I'm really looking forward to hearing. You know, it is interesting because after that point, like I like you said, I can't wonder what would have happened with you in the band because I really feel like they went into a very strange period releasing that album Tony. They called it Tony Iommi's Black Sabbath. The uh, what was it seventh? Yeah. Seven, what was that called? Seven, seven Star. Yeah. Seven Star, which a lot of people think is potentially the worst Black Sabbath record of the entire catalog. Some people say it's forbidden, which was a number of years later with Tony Martin. But yeah, it just seemed like. Creatively, they were very unfocused at that point, and you can't help but wonder what you could have brought to to that uh, that dynamic.
3: Well, now you can hear at least how I would have (laughs) gone on uh, Gillen, Ozzy, and Dio on those songs, and this is 35 years later. I was, gosh, I was what 23 years old at the time, and uh, I think I like I, I do think I sing better now than I ever did some of those super high piercing screams are no longer in my vocabulary for some reason. Right. <laughs> but in terms of tone delivery, uh, quality of, of, executing a master vocal in the studio and being able to cut a gig like keel fest live
0: yeah, uh, at this
3: stage, at this stage of the game, I'm really proud of the, the hard work and the results. And really that's all it is. Mark, it's not talent. It's just hard work, man. I bust my ass every day. I sing every day. I talk a lot, as you can tell, And when I speak, I try and speak in a a strong, sharp tone so that I'm not pushing air through my vocal cords and and putting wear and tear on them. I'm one of those guys that the more I sing, the more I work, the better I get. And I, I could not stand to take a month or two months or a year off. I think I would die. And I think I would suck when I came back. So that's why I'm not stopping.
1: Right on. And I'm totally psyched for everything you have going on and your hard work. I can definitely see it on Patreon. You are really working that. And just to round out the, the Sabbath thing, um, one just final, final question on that, and then I'll, I'll shut up about Sabbath. But so you never actually got in a room and jammed with them. Is that correct? They were just they had listened to the demo and, and, and liked the demo and they were going to bring you in on that with Spencer's approval.
3: If I had the chance to get in a room with them in jam, it would have been a done deal, man. I'm telling you right now, there would there would have never been any doubt or compromise. Or looking back, Um, I did not get that opportunity. The demo that I cut was outside songwriters that Spencer was trying to sell these songs to Sabbath and make them as many producers and record companies in the '80s did. They would push outside songs on the hard rock and metal artists because they wanted to, quote, have a hit song. And these were cover songs. Uh, one of them, at least one of them, ended up uh, as a single for King Cobra, a song called Hunger. Oh, wow.
1: Right, right, right.
3: Um, and, and that's one of the songs that I cut that was going to be a Black Sabbath song. Spencer was trying to get them to record. And Spencer, I'm pretty sure, I might be wrong. I, I'm grabbing it at straws here, but I think Spencer did produce that King Cobra album and that's why King Cobra recorded the song Hunger.
0: Very good. Sabbath didn't
3: want it. And he I think he produced that record, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but uh, it was that was one of the songs that I did. Uh, and there was some absolutely hellacious screams on this demo because I was trying to show off. I was trying man. to check out what I could do. So, man, it really is over the top. And Dana's drum producing it. Uh, and I talk to Dana about this all the time. So we did a gig together just a few weeks ago. Uh, when I opened for Slaughter, and Dana talks about it all the time as well. It was one of those days where Dana's just pulling this stuff out of me as a producer and just pushing me to my extreme limits. And there's it, some—I don't know how good it is, but it's, it's really, really—it's uh, over the top. These heavy metal scream, and, and you know they call me the Screamer, right? That's yeah. that's what I did back in the day. So uh, this this demo certainly lives up to the hype. Cool. In that regard, anyway.
1: And we're going to hear that. The Patreon supporters and subscribers are going to hear that on Patreon sometime soon, right?
3: That's right. I have never played it for anyone. I've never released it. In fact, when we had a band house uh, with some of the guys in my band, this is gosh, 20 years ago. I had it on cassette, and they all, play the Sabbath demo. I want to hear the Sabbath demo. I've never played it for them. In fact... I couldn't trust these guys as far as I could throw them, so I took the cassette tape and I put it in the tarantula cage because I had, a, I had, a, wow. <laughs> I had a, a number of tarantula spiders through, throughout my life. I loved them as pets. Great rock star pets, by the way, because you can throw a few crickets in there, go and throw it for a month, and come back, and the spider's just fine. It was very low-maintenance pets. But anyway, I put the cassette tape in the spider terrarium with, with the tarantula so the guys wouldn't stick their hands in there and try and steal it in the middle of the night when I'm sleeping and give it a sneak listen.
1: Oh, wow. Great stuff. I can't wait to hear it. I can't wait for the new Ron Keel band album, Fight Like a Band. I'm going to be interviewing David elfson on Thursday, so I'm going to be sure to mention... Uh ron keel to him and get him to talk about your relationship and uh it's always a pleasure ron and good luck with with keel fest if you if you can get it up to uh to the northeast i will absolutely be there and i'm tempted to look at the calendar and see if i could somehow get down to columbus ohio it would be a blast to be there and rocking with you
3: man it, it will be great whenever we run into each other it's always a thrill and it's great to see you great to be back on the show mark and Next time we talk, hopefully you'll be making a guest appearance on the Roncast.
1: Oh, I'd love I that. I'd to interview you. Yeah, I, man. I
3: know you've got some great stories, a great history in this business, and uh, I, I would love to to turn the tables and put the microphone on the other side, so to speak, and interview you for my show.
1: Well, I love talking about myself. It's uh, it's my favorite subject, actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Keep, yeah, keep me posted, I man.
3: I will. Thank you for listening, and uh, keep talking battle do
0: it.
1: by ron keel i wanted to play that new song we were talking about in the, during the interview but i didn't find it on itunes so we'll just have to wait for the the new ron keel band album to come out it is fantastic you can if you're one of his patreon patrons you can hear that song on uh, on the patreon page and i think it's on youtube now too but anyways the song we just heard there the last ride you can Purchase that on iTunes. Guys, use our Amazon links. Support us. Please join me on Patreon. There's so much cool stuff going on there. I don't know if I finished my, my podcast rant from earlier, but I meant to say there's the Talking Rock podcast. There's my Talking Metal podcast. You can get those for free on iTunes. But, I, I yeah, I don't think I even mentioned it. There's now the Mark Striegel podcast. It is available only to our podcast patreon patrons so if you need a third podcast by me you can join us even a two dollar a month pledge on patreon will get you a uh, get you that third podcast I'm gonna try to do once a week with that um, yeah so the mark Striegel podcast is uh, is happening guys and it's only for the people who are contributing on patreon to my page uh, and we're putting up Awesome other content, video content, all sorts of cool, cool shit. So check out my Patreon page and support Ron Keel for sure. And definitely, definitely get this Kane Roberts record. Holy Christ, is it great! It is just a fantastic listen. The New Normal by Kane Roberts. Yeah, man, let's hear a track off it right now. This is beginning of the end with some very special. Guest vocalists on this track, and, and Kane's gonna tell us who they are during the interview. So uh, stay tuned for that, although you probably can figure it out by listening to the song who these guest vocalists are. This is off the new Kane Roberts album, Beginning of, or no, it's called The New Normal. The song is called Beginning of the End.
0: I'll cut their evil tongue It's the deck, it's what you wanted You disturbed me, you incurred me, you called my name do find a war The screaming sound that tears the ground and cuts you to your core Clean the dreams that scar my brain it's what you break for
1: Mark Striegel from the Talking Metal podcast, and and what an honor! A guy that I was such a big fan of back in the day when he was with Alice Cooper, and he had a great solo record that I was really into called "Saints and Sinners." The one, the only Kane Roberts. Kane, how are you?
4: I'm doing good, Mark. It's great to talk to you. It's been a while. I kind of crawled out from under the abyss, so uh, here I am again.
1: Yeah, and you know it's interesting because, like I said, I was a, a big fan of you back in the day. Saw you at, at the Boston Gardens playing with with Alice Cooper, and it was just a, a wow. great, great night. I loved that concert. Um, but I wanted to, you know, when when they sent me the record, I was I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. The album I'm mm. talking about is The New Normal. It comes out later this month, and I put it on, man, and it is – I'm not just saying this to kiss your ass. It's amazing. It's fantastic. Great job, and there's so much great stuff on here that I want to talk to you about.
4: Great. Jeez, thanks, man.
1: Yeah. No, seriously, because, of course, I want to talk a little bit about your history in the old days, but let's just sure. start with what's going on now. The New Normal – I mean – First of all, the opening cut—I just put this on. It just hit me right in the face, so good, above and beyond. Let's talk about who joins you on this cut because it's kind of a, a historic reunion, in my opinion, at least. Well,
4: yeah, I mean, uh, well, first of all, I, I, you know, as I walked into the project, I, I, I've been listening to a lot of different music, a lot of you know, new music, and of course, you know, I don't. I'll never it's impossible. And I even though I try, I could never like forget my past and the great music that I listened to before and my old influences, you know, be it Led Zeppelin, Van Halen, whoever it is. So right. uh, it wasn't one of those projects where I said, oh, you know, I'm, I've got to sound this way. I've got to sound that way. I just wanted to sound like me. And the other thing I did, though, was, you know, walking into something like this, I wanted to get, you know, different writers involved and everything. So this song actually features work, you know, writing work by Brent Smith from Shine Down and this other guy, Dave Bassett. And um, so what I did was, uh, you know, I I got this song and I changed it, did a whole bunch of stuff to it to make it kind of a personal thing. And then I uh, ended up, you know, enlisting guys like Kip Winger and Paul Taylor, of course, you know, Ken Mary and, you know, guys that I used to work with before. Because you know these guys are still prolific; they're still doing stuff. I mean, Ken is playing with Flotsam and Jetsam now, which is like yeah, that's a tough that's a tough ride on the drums, yeah. and he's kicking ass with it. And you know, of course, Kip uh, never stops; he's doing his solo stuff, which is amazing, and the stuff with Winger. And of course, he got that Grammy uh, nomination for classical music. So you know, these are these are guys that are just still very active, and uh, you know, Paul as well. So. I knew that, you know, if I asked them to do it and they said, yes, I'd be, I'd be in great company. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the, the guests that you have on this record are just great. We'll talk about some more of them. But but first sure. off, I mean, in your past, you've worked with some of the biggest rock producers really of all time. I mean, we could go through a, a list of of some of them, uh, you know, Desmond Child, uh, Michael Wagner, uh, who Bob Ezrin Bob you've worked Edwin. with. And yeah. uh, who's the uh, Bo Hill? Right. I mean, there's just so many of oh, them yeah. who's producing this record because it sounds just as good as, as anything you've done in the past. Asked.
2: Well, what we did was, uh, you know, I I,
4: I decided uh, two things. One of them was, you know, I I wanted to make sure I wasn't recording at my house. I really feel like a uh, comfort zone is is something that's sort of antithetical to to doing something creatively great. In other words, you have to you have to put yourself into a different situation. You got to take yourself away from your refrigerator, and you know, I don't think I play great uh, guitar solos in my underwear. You know, right, sort of right. Thing. So. I ended up uh, getting this great studio and I worked with this guy, Alex track who owns the studio. So now Mark, the record took me three years to make. Okay. And I was lucky enough to have a full on studio for three years and he and I put the record together. So it's produced by me and Alex, who's a great musician in his own right. And uh, you know, instead of having some other entity come in and, and work on the record with me because this was going to be a bit of a crawl, because, I'm, you know, I'm, I hadn't been recording and playing live. I'd been playing music and writing and singing and stuff, but I hadn't been, you know, out into the, uh, you know, the public jet stream, so to speak. So I ended up uh, getting in there, and the record company let me take uh, three years to record this. I mean, normally it's a month or, or two or three, and, uh, you know, 12 months, uh, 14 months into it, you know, I, I got back to uh, Frontiers and Serafino and Mario, the owners of the company and they said, just make a great record. So I was in, I was in great, uh, a a great situation. And, uh, yeah, so it was
1: Alex produced it and myself. Very good. Well, it sounds great. The songwriting is great. The guests that you have sound great. I mean, let's talk about beginning of the end, a couple real heavy, uh, guest vocalists on, on this track with you. Can you tell us who's on that track with you? A track that I just love by the way.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Well, we, um, you know, I, I was, uh, singing the sort of a rough vocal over the track. And uh, I I just thought, you know, as I looked at the words and I was thinking about it, I said, geez, you know, if Alice Cooper delivered these lines and, and and I didn't want Alice to come in and sing one line or make a statement or something, I wanted him to do a duet with me. So I called him up and, you know, he happened to be in town and I said, you know, this was like 9 p.m. or something. And he said, I'm, I'm in town. He, he said, uh, I'll be right over. So it was that easy. And he came over. and, and That's
1: just amazing. <laughs> yeah.
4: And then I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I wanted to do something unexpected on all the songs. I wanted to add something a little different, you know, and, and it, you know, it's, 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 it's hard work. But once you get into something like this, there's there's nothing that you're kind of afraid to get into. So uh Alyssa White Glues from Arch Enemy is just one of my favorite artists. I think she's walking around and she's knocking down walls and busting glass ceilings wherever right she goes, you know. And and I just said, How great would it be if Alyssa falls into the middle of this song and detonates the whole room? So uh I sent her the track. Once she heard it, she got back to me immediately and said yes. And then the final, the final guest I got was the drummer from Baby metal. Uh His name is Aoyama Hideki. And if you ever hear that band, you know, whatever you think of them, I, I right. just love it. I love, I love them too. And I, like, I like their whole thing. I'm just really into it. But if you check out the drums, it's like a machine gun back there. And, and, and uh, he, he gave me two versions and he said, I hope this is okay. And of course, you know, it, they kick ass. So yeah, I was lucky to get a big three on that. And Alyssa and Alice really performed incredibly well.
1: So you, you call up Alice, the story you just told us, and, and how yeah. much have you been in contact with him through the years? I mean, is it, is it decades? Is it years? Do you stay in touch on a regular basis?
4: Well, a- Alice and I, um, one of the reasons I ended up working with him but, you know, I walked in the room. I didn't look like you know your average guitar player or rock musician, and you know I'm not saying average in the sense that they were not great. I'm just saying they they you know that sort of normal look, and I think they liked that at first. It was something different because those guys were off Broadway their whole lives, you know, and uh Alice and I became best friends uh mark the first day, and we we he he and I talked wow. about it later. We didn't get it. we just became great friends we ended up writing the first day we met in in manhattan so um so through the years that has maintained we may not have spoken every day but when we see each other it's just like we had taken no time off at all so um i had been in touch with him from time to time i went to some of his live shows of course i saw his amazing new band and uh you know nita strauss who I ended up asking to play on the record as well yeah. and um and so when I said to him, he said, hey, how you doing? And I said, I said, I'm in the studio, you know, and I'm just wondering if, um, you know, you could, uh, you could come out. He said, are you in the studio now? He said, I'm in town. I'll be right over. And he, he and Cheryl just showed up at the studio. He hung out for three or four hours singing and we're laughing and everything. I mean, I had these pants on. This is, this is a typical thing. I had these pants on that, you know, these jeans that were like really worn out. Right. So, you know, we were sitting there and there was a quiet moment. And Alice said, hey, you know, There is one point where you throw the pants away. You know what I mean. So you know, we we were still we're still joking with each other and having fun. And you know, I was just amazed at um, how quick he just caught on to what the song was about. When he says, "Their corporate lives will bend your mind," you know, only Alice could deliver the line like that. So, um, and then you know, we also um, I shot a video and uh, I shot it in Vancouver a little while ago, and I thought the only way I could do a video for this song is if I got Alice, me, and Alyssa in the same room on the same day, and I was able
1: to pull that off. So the video that's coming out is going to feature all three of us. Wow, I can't wait to see that. When do you think that'll hit? Soon?
4: Yeah, it's going to be out you know, right around the the debut of the album on, on the
1: 25th. Great. January 25th. The New Normal by Kane Roberts. What a return. Again, this album, I just I listened to it all the way through and I was just blown away because usually, you know, you get a few good songs up top and then it kind of fades off, but not with this. It's one great song after another. The performances are, are potent. Uh, I don't have time to talk about every single song, but let's one more. I wanted to just ask you about leave this world behind. I don't know something about these lyrics, man. They really touched me and, and, uh, you know, I, I felt, like emotional, like I, I have, there was a sad feeling, but then like a hopeful feeling I was getting from the song, uh, you know, turn this around, you know, the savior that kills, there's some powerful lyrics in this song. And what do these lyrics mean to you? What are you trying to say with this song?
4: Well, I I think, I think, you know, we're at a point now with uh, all the social media, the sort of, uh, you know outing of who we are as people and the photos and the selfies and everything i think we're we're in a position now where a lot of people are sort of judging themselves all the time and you know we all go through you know incredibly hard times life life is isn't easy you know it's one of those things where we get we get blindsided all day and, and night and you know it it's the it's the re- the thing that reflects the good times, and so I always I, the point of, this, of the song is, you know, you you run into these dark places, and what you try to do is rather than stay there, is just leave your world behind and turn it around, you know. And and it's so funny that line that you that uh, you picked on there, the you know you're a savior that kills, you right. do all these things wrong, a, a hater and love, you know. It's all right. You know what I mean? Just just be who you are. Right and, on. You know, the other thing about that song was the middle section with the guitar solo. I decided to just take the band out and just have this sort of percussion band behind me doing the solo. So, you know, we we just felt like as we stepped into each song, we were going to do something a little different and, you know, um, actually a lot of the messages uh, Mark on the record are, are actually more hopeful and positive, you know? So I, I'm glad you picked up on that. That's one of our favorites.
1: Yeah. I wrote that with Brent as well from shine down. So, Oh, very cool. Very cool. And, Great record. Again, we're going to be hyping it on Talking Metal. We encourage everyone to get it. In my opinion, the one of the first uh, really great releases of 2019, The New Normal by Kane Roberts. Kane, I gotta, of course, touch upon some stuff from your past before I let you go. Sure. Yep. First of all, let's, you know, Alice Cooper and Bob Ezrin, the great Bob Ezrin, has just done so much great stuff from Pink Floyd to Kiss to Alice Cooper. But those those records you were on with Alice were not produced by Bob Ezrin, yet it appears that you had a relationship with him or maybe still have one, because I know like the Rod Stewart record he did and the Berlin record he did, you were involved with those. So can you tell us a little bit about your history and your relationship with the great Bob Ezrin?
4: He, when I went down to meet Alice, it was in a big office called Alive Enterprises, which was the New York office of Chef Gordon, who was managing Shep, Alice. I yep. mean, he's managed everybody, yeah, from, you know, Teddy Pendergrass to Raquel Welch to, you know, you know Blondie, all sorts of bands. And um, I, uh, I... I saw the documentary said, on him.
1: It's great, that documentary that's yeah, uh, yeah, it's a fun watch.
4: Yeah, Supermatch, you know, by, with Michael Mike Myers uh, made that. So I... um I go into the office with Ezrin and, you know, I'm one of those guys, I I don't get nervous. So I sort of go with the flow, but I walked in and, you know, Bob's there, he's got this huge picture window behind him, you know, looking out onto Manhattan. And I swear to God, my chair was like purposely low. (laughs) You know, I'm looking up, it was like looking up at the wizard of Oz or something. And, you know, he, he starts telling me, you know, uh, what the opportunity is and what the situation is like with, with, with alive and and how to you know and with Alice and all that thing and what they were looking for and um you know so that was sort of my initiation of fire and then I go into the uh, next room and I'm with all these people that changed you know culture with Alice and Shep and this big entourage and everything so you know Shep uh, 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 Bob was my first liaison into the project because he was the one that heard my writing he was the one that received the tape um, from this guy Don Passione over at Screen Gems, which is, a you know, a long-gone company. And so my first relationships with him is he's very protective of Alice. So my first writing sessions, Bob was there.
1: Right, okay. And
4: we didn't, really get, we didn't get along that well. I mean, he was like, you know, he was sort of pushing me in some areas. He was testing to see what I was like. And, you know, and at one point it just flipped and we became friends. Once, I think he trusted me that i was there not just to you know grab money i was there i was in the flow and i cared about alice i cared about everything that he and i produced so um for example you know to show you what type of guy bob is i was at a very fancy restaurant for me you know because i I didn't have a lot of money then and i was just kind of you know but i i had this girl that i was dating and i wanted to impress her so i take her to this restaurant very fancy restaurant and and we're sitting there at the table and we're talking i'm a little stiff and nervous you know and uh, suddenly I hear this commotion behind me. And this guy falls against my table and knocks the food off and everything. He goes, hey, you're fucking great. <laughs> and he looks at me at Esrin and he goes, hey, man, how you doing? And he stands Wait. up and he goes, you know, replace all their food. And wow. he, walks, he walks
3: away. <laughs> you know, it's like that's yeah. the type
4: of relationship we've had since then. And, you know, Ezrin is is amazing. The reason he didn't produce it is like he never intended to. I think what his main production move was to get me to find somebody to write Alice that Alice can trust and that will, you know, grow into something, you know, a relationship that, that could, you know, work live, that sort of thing.
1: And, you know, at that time where that's the constrictor record in 86, which was followed up by raise your fist and yell in 87, it was Alice's comeback. You know, he had, he had been kind of out of the hard rock world and for me, a guy who really was an 80s metal guy, you know, I, I knew about Alice's stuff from the 70s, but that was really my introduction to Alice, those two records. Yeah. And and was there a, a, a conscious effort like, OK, we need to make Alice, we need to get him out of the 70s and put him in the 80s. And, and you know, because that, for that time, those albums were very contemporary sounding.
4: Well, I I. I made sure that um, I didn't say those words, you know, in other words, the, the respect for Alice's past is enormous. And it's one of those things that sort of floats above the organization. So, um, you know, he, he knew that, uh, you know, I was into, you know, current bands. He knew, he knew that I was listening to even Ozzy and, and every, you know, I, I was just into all that stuff. But what I said to Alice was, and by the way, he wasn't a passive player. Alice is a very powerful artist and has a really heavy sense of who he is. But I said, you know, you're coming out of rehab. I don't want people to think that you survived rehab and here's your music again. I want people to think that you've come away from this kind of, uh, you know, rebuild like a nuclear Alice, you know, So, you know, you can tell from, there's a tape out there, I guess, you know, VHS at the time, um, a recording of uh, the Nightmare Returns, you know, the first show. And you can tell that, you know, as soon as Alice hit the stage, the band's heavied up, Welcome to My Nightmare and the whole show. And that's what that point was. I said, you have to come back and just, you know, be able to kill on stage and compete on this level, like this new version of Alice. And the the thing of it is if you hear it, you know, if you watch it, yeah, you know, the band's heavy and it's all cool and everything. And the music is arranged. You know, I was really happy to be music director and everything, but Alice is way on top of it. You know, it's not like he's a seventies artist trying to deal with these young guns. He's like completely comes out like, you know, shooting uh, from, from both barrels and it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty cool thing, you know, to witness. So, you know, and, and it comes, I think partially because, you know, he and I just hooked up creatively and, and, uh, you know, spiritually as well.
1: So, yeah, absolutely. And I, I know uh, we only have a few minutes left here, but uh, sure. a couple, a quick, quick questions, uh, raise your fist and yell. It did seem like you guys took the heaviness up a little bit, like with songs like freedom and roses on white lace. I mean, especially freedom was just such a, a powerful opening number for that track. Was there again, was there a, an idea that, Hey, we're going to, take things even a little heavier, a little further with Raise Your Fist and Yell than we did on Constrictor? Well, I think what
4: happened was at the end of the tour, like Alice and I were writing during the tour, and we were getting sort of the feedback from the audience. When things were heavy, the audience got more intense. The response was more intense. You know, of course, everybody loved hearing those opening strains of the classics, but when we did something very heavy for them, you could just tell that, you know, it, it, it rocked their world. And the, the response that they gave to us, you know, was, was kind of the same feeling in kind, you know, that was the big thing about playing live, you know, when they come back at you, you know, that, that's, that's sort of the information that you get that spurs you on to other stuff. So we got into the studio and, you know, of course the band was just super tight. Then we hit the ground running and our writing just reflected this sort of, uh, this sort of dark kind of heavy you know violent uh, you know play on on stage you know with with Gale and Roses on right white lace and and uh or was it Prince of Darkness you know these are all songs that just yeah. happened for and it was just it it seemed like a natural kind of evolution of who we are as writers and performers
1: right on right on and then After that, I mean, he did the Trash Record, which I know you were on a a little bit on that one. But your involvement with Alice uh, kind of changed. When did you officially and why did you officially leave the band?
4: Well, you know, I I got a a record deal on Geffen. Um, Alice had moved on. I'm not sure if he changed labels or not, but he was now writing with Desmond. And I end up doing a a lot of writing with Desmond as well. So it was one of those things. It was kind of a natural evolution of things. Um, you know, I, I, it, it just seemed to to take place. We, we didn't, we didn't sit down and have a meeting and discuss, you know, whatever. It just sort of, it just sort of happened. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, there, there have been times I've, you know, thought about, you know, getting on stage with them. He actually asked me to play with them when we were in Vancouver on, on schools out, I was unable to do it, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where I was, you know, I had such an amazing time with Alice and he turned me into like a real musician, so to speak. You know, I became a pro, you know, and I, I learned, you know, so much from the guy. But it was just a, a once again, you know, with Alice and I, there was just this flow of things that happened. And uh, we just we just moved on, you know, it was one of those things. So and I was able to concentrate on Saints and Sinners. You know, I, I really put my heart and soul in that. And, you know, if you have another project going on, it's a little difficult.
1: So. Right. I hear you. And that, of course, is the album you did with Desmond Child. So, yeah, what a career, Kane! C- and I'm so glad you're back. We've been missing you. Um, and the new album, the new normal, again, really, really strong stuff. We're going to play some music off it. And I uh, highly recommend the listeners go out and give it a chance. Uh, give it a listen. It's great stuff.
4: OK, well, thank you, Mark. i excited you know, anytime uh You want to hang out, talk on the phone or whatever, just give me a buzz.
1: Oh, cool, man. I'll take you up on that. Definitely, definitely. And, uh, yeah, best of luck to you, and we'll be in touch for sure. All right. Rock on. See See you again. Bye. We
0: the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, stop pretending that you've never been bad. You're never wrong and you've never been dirty. Just saying, that ain't the way.
1: Featuring Kane Roberts on guitar. I love that song. So good. I saw him on that tour. That's the tour uh, I saw him uh, at the the Boston Gardens in, in like, downtown Boston. Um, Great stuff. I think it was the only time I was at Boston Gardens. Because most of the shows, when I lived in Boston, most of the shows didn't happen in the city of Boston if they were arena shows. I mean, I remember seeing Megadeth there, and there was this theater that... some of the metal bands and stuff would play at. I saw King Diamond in Boston at the clubs. I, I But most of the concerts in the year I lived in Boston, you know, we'd have to go for the arena shows. We went down to Rhode Island for Kiss. We went out to Worcester for Rush. Um, but I guess uh, the the one um, arena show that I saw in the city, the actual city of Boston, was Alice. And from what I remember, a lot of the big groups, like Kiss, Kiss didn't play there on that tour uh, Rush didn't play there at that time, you know, so it was very cool to see an arena show in the actual city of Boston back in those days with Kane Roberts, Kip Winger, and Alice Cooper on the Raise Your Fist and Yell tour. Such great stuff. Love that song, Freedom. Love you guys for supporting me. Listen, consider the Patreon thing. I love the PayPal donations. You can keep giving those to me. Those are awesome. I love that you're buying T-shirts thanks to the recent batch of people who all purchased a Talking Metal T-shirt by sending 20 bucks to my PayPal account and giving me their address and shirt size. Thanks to all you people. But if you go on Patreon and you pledge $5 a month or more, you also get a Talking Metal T-shirt and as well as a lot of other stuff, including a... A podcast, a whole separate podcast. Uh, you get exclusive videos. You get first look at any talking metal video, including a, a recent one I threw up there of, of the band UDO that I shot a number of years ago and never used the footage. That's up there now or, or will be shortly. So there's lots of exclusive content gonna look into the live stream thing, gonna be doing a lot of stuff. I'm working with Emily and Victor Ruiz on the Patreon page to get you some exclusive content. And it's like Ron Kiel said, it's like when you are on the Patreon page with me, I want to make it feel like you're in my house, hanging out with my wife, my, me, and my dog. Uh, hopefully the kids will be asleep by that point. But, you know, I want it to feel like you're, you're here, man. You're, you're hanging. And, and I love Ron Keel's an, analogy. Like, if you come and hang out with somebody, you bring a six-pack. You bring, you bring some cookies, you, bring, you know, you bring something to, to the party and that's all I'm asking, man, is, is is that you pledge a little money to hang out and we will give you an exclusive hang. And uh, yeah, I am excited to have more of you join me there. We had a little drop off, I guess some end of the year drop offs there, but which is kind of sad because, you know, it's only right now that we're really taking the Patreon page up to the, the next page plateau, if you will. So please consider joining us on the Patreon page. Just go on Patreon and search Talking Metal or "Talking" or Mark Striegel, or just go to TalkingRock.net or TalkingMetal.com and just hit the support page there, and you'll see Patreon and other ways you can support, like by using our Amazon links and whatnot. So that'll do it. All right, guys. Thanks so much to take us out uh, what are we gonna do to take us out? Let's hit some, let's hit some good, good shit here. What can I play, you guys? Yeah. Um, well, you know, Ron Keel's covering this song, so let's end with it. Uh, he mentioned it during the interview. This is trashed. Now, trashed is uh, is just a you know they never liked the mix on Born Again, but it's still a great record. I I really think Born Again. Is right up there with the Ozzy era stuff The Dio era stuff I mean Dehumanizer I didn't love quite as much When I see Dio era I mean Heaven and Hell and and Mob Rules You know it's right up there with those And in some ways, the last great Sabbath record, in in my opinion, at least until 13. I loved 13. I know some people didn't. I thought I thought the comeback with Ozzy was was just fantastic. But um, yeah, so this is the opening cut off of that record. And Bill Ward did play on the record. He did you know, as he did Heaven and Hell. A lot of people think, oh, Heaven and Hell, that was that was Vinny. No, 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 that was Bill Ward. And he even played a handful of shows with them after Heaven and Hell came out, at which point Vinny joined up and then of course uh vinnie played on mob rules left with dio to form dio at which point bill ward's back in the fold you know briefly just i believe for the album and then i i want to say it was was it bev bevan who did the the born again uh, tour i'm not sure oh here we go trashed by black sabbath you really want-
0: We're going